My message title this morning is called, It's Getting Real. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to every week give you a little update on world events from uh, kind of a biblical uh, perspective without making you want to, you know, never come back to church. Um, if you're visiting with us here today, we're glad you're here. We hope you stay. Um, you know, every week is different. I mean, you're going to see something happen different every single week. Uh, we don't have a cookie cutter service. So, um, you know, what you saw today doesn't mean it'll be exactly the same next week. So that's, you know, we just trust the spirit of God. I mean, we do have like this really detailed paper here that we do follow sort of, and, you know, but when God wants to do something, we, we just say, okay, we're okay with that. And that's the way it should be, Right. I mean, he is the creator. I don't really want to have church with his people and do it my way without inviting him to be here. That makes no sense. So, you know, just kind of, you know, one of the things that we're, we're noticing and seeing, and we'll get into some stuff here along the way, but I want to focus on you today. It's getting real is the title. From the moment we were born, we were more than, more than second, more than a minute, one more hour, one more day, one more month, one more year from leaving this earth. How many knew that? The clock was ticking and going back home to Jesus. However, there is a battle for the soul. We have to know there is contention for our soul. That means there's a battle and it's ongoing. And we must fight to make sure we endure to the end. Now, a real theological point of contention is eternal security. And I want to be clear on something. Get ready. Ushers, block the doors. All right? Get the only one out. Because you got to hear me out before you leave. There are some people that believe we are eternally secure. Some believe we are not eternally secure. Now, the Assemblies of God does not believe in eternal security. I do. However, let me finish. I believe we are eternally secure as long as we choose to remain in Christ. You can't lose your salvation like you lose your car keys. Because if you remember when Pastor Corey was here, he would have had to get saved every other week. I mean, just constantly to the point that we put, we put a tag on his keys so he couldn't lose them. He could find them with his phone. I mean, the poor boy. I mean, he would spend an extra hour trying to find his keys or his phone. Didn't matter. One or the other every day. There are people, though, that believe that the minute you pray the prayer, you are eternally secure and saved, basically no matter what, as long as you live. That also is wrong. Because there is a standard that has been set. And if we look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, you see, and it's not in my sermon, and so you'll have to look it up later, but it says, some... Someone say some have departed from the faith. 
How can you depart from a faith that you never had? Because that's the argument that's made. Well, they were never believers in the first place. Eh. Some departed from the faith. Now, if you were the devil and people were not serving God, are you going to bother them? You're going to want them cozy and comfy and happy because you don't want them looking for answers. You want them, oh, keep them happy. You don't want them searching for God. But the trophy you want is the one that says yes to the one that he hates, which is the Son of God. And so we have to understand there is contention, there is a battle that is ongoing for you and for me. And so we have to be smart enough to recognize that we have to put that battle down every single day. Didn't hear an amen there. We literally have to settle the cause every day. You might know as you get older, maybe you don't, but I know that you, when I was a young person, I had to say, Jesus, thank you for saving me every day. Every day. When I was a young person coming out of the world, I prayed that prayer every single day. And when my pastor gave a salvation call on Sunday, I got saved over and over and over because I wanted to make sure it stuck. Until he finally sat me down and said, son, it doesn't need to stick. You're saved. I said, well, you know, I got to make sure because I don't know if I did it right the first time. He said, listen, God heard you. You're good. Keep moving. Start to grow. Start to read. Start to pray. Start to be discipled. Start to get taught. Start to learn. Oh, that's called being discipled. Right? So many people stop at the pray the prayer moment and they don't keep growing. We got to keep growing. And the devil's favorite tool is offending people. If he can offend you, oh my goodness, you'll stop in your tracks. And you won't grow past that offense for the rest of your life if you don't get rid of it. So we have to understand there is this contention for our soul, and we must fight to make sure that we endure to the very end. Yes, I'm drinking out of the pretty cup. I got in trouble for saying that my wife made me drink out of the pretty cup. I told you I would. <laughs> but have you fought the good fight? Second Timothy chapter 4. Very often this is read at life celebrations. Some people call it funerals. I hate that word. If you are a believer, it is a life celebration. We do not call it, a funeral's depressing. Man, oh man, when that day comes, when, when, I, when the Lord calls me home, oh man, I have told my kids more than once, you better celebrate. Yeah, you better celebrate or I'm, or I'm going to find a way back. 
it better be a celebration. Because listen, we who know Christ have fought battles and that is worthy of a celebration. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. These are interestingly separate statements within the sentence. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So I'm going to break it down. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Those, ter- those are all terms of finality. Paul addressing Timothy. But can we, as believers, say the same thing if we were to be called home today? Have we fought the good fight, or are we doing that right now? You see, as I've been kind of drilling home every week, The church in North America, not just America, North America, has been in an apathetic state for a long time. And I believe there have been some that have been fighting the good fight and been propping up the church, and it's really the only reason that judgment has not come upon the church yet. But they are the only reason. Have we fought the good fight? Are we doing it now? Are we on track to finish the race? Are you and I right now on track to finish the race that God called us to run? Or have we just literally wasted all of that time? I know this is a little bit kind of, uh, I get it. I do. Because as I was writing this, I sat down and thought about all the visions and dreams that I had. And I thought, you know, you're not a kid anymore, even though I feel like one. And sometimes act like one. Especially around my wife and kids. They're sometimes a little embarrassed to be out in public with me. But the truth is, when I looked at my own life, I thought, man, I got less in front of me than I do behind me. Are you getting me? And Lord, am I going to have time to accomplish the things that I still know I'm supposed to do? Are you with me? Because time is our most precious commodity, folks. It's not your 401k. It's not your properties. It's not, none of that stuff is your most precious thing. It is not. It is the relationships that you have been trusted with. Moms, dads, grandparents. It is. Those are the things that matter most. And it's the things that God has asked you to do. Those are the things that matter the most. So, are you on track to finish the race? Are we keeping our faith? Man, that is a big one. Or are we wavering? I mean, literally, we are being 
hammered on every single side. I can't tell you how many times I've been told, you can't probably say that, especially if we're going to record stuff. And it's always in good intention. And I'm like, why? Well, because YouTube will ban it. Okay. Let YouTube ban it. Uh, no offense, but I'm not really that big of a player on YouTube. I don't know if you've noticed, but like a couple hundred people may check in on our stuff. I'm not getting through, you know, a million views. YouTube doesn't care about me. I could say pretty much whatever I want. Facebook hasn't, you know, even done anything with our stuff. The reality is, but there's, been, there's the pressure there to conform to stay away from controversial topics that we as Christians would just be honestly talking about. Let me just give you one. Can I? Marriage is between a man and a woman. And I'll tell you why. The anatomy of a man and a woman is just kind of, honestly, it kind of speaks to that fact. I mean, I'm just a common sense person. I don't know why they have to confuse that. And I'm never going to change my view on that, ever. Now, do I hate anybody? No. And I've said that every time. Love everybody. Love them all. Love everybody. Love everybody. All of the different gender option stuff that's been thrown at us in the last five years, it's, I don't even understand it. And I don't say that to be mean. I don't. I've tried. But they, they keep adding new ones on. And I'm sorry, but it's sort of like whatever way seems right to man, right? Seems kind of, again, the same thing. I mean, if you got a beard and big muscles, you know, and your voice is a baritone, you're, you're a guy. Now, I'm just being real. I'm not trying to be hurtful. And I, I get all of the arguments, but I also know the statistics that go beyond the stories that you hear. Suicides. Telling children before they're 12 years old that they can start converting. And there's literal mutilation involved. And churches won't talk about it because they're afraid they'll get canceled. Cancel away because I'm talking about it. Why? Because somebody's got to talk about it because these kids should not be making those decisions. No, 
They are too young. And by the time they realize and they come out of their confusion and everything else, they're depressed. They want to kill themselves. It's too late at that point. And they're left with this damage of what's happened to them. That's what our world's done and it is doing. And we, the church, are demonized for just honestly speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. I don't get it. I've even been in chat groups where pastors debate whether or not they should even discuss some of this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm not even going to engage that conversation. I don't have time for it. It's just craziness that's in the world that we're in today. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the righteous judge will award to me on that day, but not only to me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. So the crown of righteousness literally is a crown of right positionary living. So living in a right position, standing with God. He knew this, that he was in the right place, to know that you're in the right position with God. I mean, like back to the last conversation Right now, you know, people might get mad at you for saying the things that we're talking about, but there may come a time when you'll pay a price for that. And we have to decide whether we want to be righteous with God or with man. I'll try that over here. Do we want to be righteous with God or with man? Because I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to say this honestly, if you're like 20 and under... To be righteous with God means you're, gonna, you're probably going to lose most of your friends in the world. Because they're not all going to hold to your opinion. That's just the way it's going to roll. They're going to come at you hard. May even be family. That one's really going to hurt. I mean, how many in the room have liberal family? Like, really liberal family. Like, they think it's all good, do whatever, you know? They're going to come at you. And listen, my advice to you is love them. Love is undefensible. It's like the best thing you can do. How do you defend love? Just love them. Just love them. You know, uh, one, one, of, one of my kids, and I, I promised them that I won't use their names anymore because, it, you know, they're all, I'm, I won't. I won't do it. Um, but he was playing Call of Duty. They all play Call of Duty together. And sometimes kids can get like really, and even men can get really, really mouthy on there, right? And my one, my one son just like, I come downstairs and all I hear is him going, I love you, man. I just so love you. I love you, man. No, no, I like totally, I love you. I love you, love you, love you, man. I love you. 
And I'm like, why is he telling some man he loves him over and over? He goes, oh, because the guy's like swearing at him. <laughs> I was like, that is awesome. What do you do with that? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no defense for that. You know, like, what's he going to reach through the microphone and bop him in the nose? I mean, there's no defense for that. <clears throat> you know, I've talked a lot about suffering for being a Christian. First Peter chapter four, I want to spend a little bit of time here. You don't hear this verse talked about in church a lot because it really doesn't draw people into the building, but I'm going to talk about it today. First Peter chapter four, verse 12 going to now into verse 19, says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, don't stand there like a deer in the headlights when rough times come your way. Guess what's happened in North America? We're standing there like deer in the headlights. Because all of a sudden, we are square, right in, the, right in the bullseye, of people who are angry, mad, and do not like and will not tolerate what you believe. It's not enough that legally things have been granted towards the lifestyles of their choosing, they want to make it illegal for you to believe what you believe. And as I already told you, that's happened in Canada. And it will come here. It's just a matter of when. We have to understand that trials will come. Your biggest trial is not, you know, so-and-so talk behind my back. That's not your biggest trial. That's called people. They do that. How many of you remember back when they didn't have church or, or, and nothing was open on Sunday? That was a pastor's biggest fear. One of. It was like, we loved the fact that there was nothing open, but we also knew that was the afternoon where people gathered around the coffee table and dissected the pastor's sermon. <laughs> and that's when he used to get all the cards on Monday about the things that he could do better, you know. I'm just messing. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Re rejoice? What? In suffering? I'm sorry. Did I misread this? So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. We just sang about his glory this morning. We are to rejoice in as much as we participate in the suffering of Christ. It's worded as though it's like this incredible privilege to rejoice in the sufferings of Christ. Guess what? It is. And I'm going to make a statement, and I want you just to hear it. If you've never experienced any kind of persecution in your Christian life, chances are you're not living it very loudly. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. Anybody can be obnoxious. I was obnoxious. When I first got saved, oh my gosh. I needed someone to turn the volume down. 
I mean, my heart was in the right place, but mm, I would have witnessed to a tree and probably did. I would wear like any kind of Jesus t-shirt I could to a public school. Any, I was a walking billboard. Principal grabbed me and said, son, you can't wear that shirt to school. Meanwhile, a guy walks by me with an Ozzy Osbourne shirt, 666, number of the beast. I said, well, if he can wear that, I can wear this. And he goes, um, okay, all right. You know. So that we may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. We can rejoice because we are active participants in the kingdom of God. There are too many people on the sidelines that have not engaged in what God is doing. And it's time for you to begin to say, and it starts at any age. You know, very often in our culture, we say to our young people, you're too young. You're too young. You guys are too young. You're too young. You're too young. No, I don't care if you're six foot nine. You're too young. Okay? I don't care if you can clean the shutters on the side of the house without a ladder. I'm sorry. You're too, no, wrong. Forget you're too young. Okay? I don't care if you can kick a soccer ball through my car window at 70 miles an hour. You are too young. Okay? All right? All right? In some culture, you're men already. In our culture here, we, we baby. We baby our young people till they're like 40. My children are promising to live with me permanently. I'm like, oh, mom's okay with it. I kind of am too, actually. They're kind of fun. You know, I'm not going to lie. For a while. I'm hoping that, like, because I told them I'm moving, I'm going to pick one of them and just move in at some point. It's happening. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the Spirit, capital S, meaning Holy Spirit, of glory and of God rests on you. We can't get our little feelings hurt because we got insulted for sharing Christ. Oh, God, will boo boo. They got mad at me. Listen, you're going to get worse than that because you shared your faith and someone mocked you? You got insulted? Listen, the Bible says here you're blessed. You're blessed. See, that's the one thing that Jehovah's Witnesses have figured out over us. It's true. I used to study them because I went to school, a bunch of them. And when you turn them away at the door, slam the door, like let your Rottweiler go after them at the front door, um, every time you like kick them off your property, they walk away believing that they have earned another blessing into heaven. That's part of their main teaching, core teaching. Now you're saying, what should I do? Don't invite them into your house, you know, but you can engage them in a conversation on your porch about your faith. Don't talk, by the way, if you want a little freebie, the the first person that talks to you is the rookie. The one in the background is training them. That person will step in, say, no, no, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Stay on the first one. 
If you suffer, it should be not as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. So you can't walk around going, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Oh, but like I, I killed someone, so I'm suffering for the cause of Christ or uh, I'm a thief and so I'm suffering for the cause of Christ, um, you know, or he even went down to as a meddler. Like that means somebody who's into everybody else's business. <laughs> Let's just ask who all hates that? <laughs> I'm with you, sister. I'm not a big fan of that either. <sighs> yeah, we'll just, we'll stop there. When we suffer, there's a distinction to be made. We should not suffer as someone who's committed a crime, but as one who has done the gospel, served the message. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, they were like dancing around in the fire. I wish I could have saw that one. I really wish I could have saw that. Oh, that would have been so cool to see. Three went in and all of a sudden you see four. That would have been cool. So we're going, uh, that's not really real. No, it was real. <laughs> it was powerful. Jesus decided, oh, I'm getting in on this one. <laughs> hey, boys, guess what? I'm going to untie you. Let's get up and have a little jig. Let's do it. It was so hot that when they opened up the furnace to toss them in, the guys that tossed them in got incinerated. That's how hot it is. Whew. That's like going to Florida in the summer. I'm almost done. For it is time for judgment, listen carefully, to begin with God's household. And I believe that has begun. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? I mean, let me walk you through this because I don't want people to walk out of here with this like self-judgment mentality because that's what the devil will spin that into. For it's time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So what he's saying is, God is judging us with righteousness, right? According to the standards that he has set through the word of God by the spirit of God that not only lives in us, but author, authors the word of God. How much more is he going to judge a, wor a world that has spurned the word of God? It's going to be not very pretty. The second part of that, in verse 18, if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, you know, hard times, deceptive times, that's the other part of this. We're, we're watching people walk away from the faith today because they're being deceived. Just the pandemic alone caused people to walk away. What kind of a God would allow this to happen? 
Well, last time I checked, it wasn't God who went into a laboratory and made something. Right? See, there's consequences that happen when man does things that man does. And we have to understand that. I mean, can you blame man if you take your fist and punch somebody in the face? Can you blame God for that? No, you did that. That was your act. And sin happens because man has chosen sin over God. And we have to understand that that is where evil comes in. And that is the big issue when hard things come into our world. People ask me that at funerals very often. The second thing is deceptive things are happening in our world right now. The truth. Wow. You know what I'm noticing? Christians are looking for the truth in the wrong places. You're not going to find the truth on Facebook. You're not. You're not going to find the truth on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchump. Dad, I got 79 snaps. I got to get back to it. I got a streak. You know, like you're not going to find the answers there. Those things were just meant to be fun social things, but they've changed. Very intentionally, they've changed. And they've been used as sources of misdirection. And people are jumping every word. And we can talk about the news. The news can't be trusted anymore either. But yet Christians will swear by these things. They will. How many of you just, I'll kind of wrap up with this. I wasn't going to share, but it's such a perfect example. Perfect example. How, how many of you have heard about the trucker situation in Canada right now? They're like, they're basically protesting right across the whole country. They've lined up and blocked off every highway. It's huge. How many of you heard about the ones that are doing it here in the United States? They're doing it in several states as well to support the guys in Canada. It's so, here's something interesting. There's a bridge near where I live that was totally full of people with banners and flags supporting the truckers. But you can go to a website that has 24-hour pictures of the highways showing the conditions. The pictures that were being shown live at the same time were blank. They were sent to me. I saw them. I was like, wow. The media says over there, it's just a small fringe group of people. <laughs> Try about 180,000 trucks. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. So take a message. And so... If you're looking for truth, you're not going to find it there. So where is the truth? Friends, the truth is only here. 
And we really, if you're not there, and you're like, well, I'm not there, then I'm going to encourage you to get back to here. Just start small. Start simple. Use your phone as a tool, not a distraction. There are so many great devotional apps on there that you can use. Turn it on. If you're going to take a nap on the couch, turn the Audible Bible on, and you can listen to like Charles Heston or somebody's voice in your ear. In the beginning. You know, I mean, like you'll feel like you were there. But get the word of God into your life. That's so important. So important. He says, and if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will, listen to that will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So there are going to be times of suffering and it is according to God's will. And people, that's not preached today. And I'm not trying to go, oh, you're wonderful because you preach it. I'm warning you so that when it comes, you don't think you failed and you walk away. Suffering comes upon us so that people who are watching can see that you didn't buckle and that you still display the fruits of the Spirit through it all. You're still carrying yourself with joy. You still have a measure of peace. You still have hope. Because without it, we're nothing. We die. We need to have those things. I'm going to ask Pastor Nate to come back. I do have a little bit more, but I'm going to try and power through it. Well, he walks very slowly to the altar. Oh, I'm thankful for Pastor Nate. Here's my encouragement, though, and Paul gave it to us in 1 Corinthians 9. You got to train real. I mean, I watched Mike Tyson at 50-some-odd years old train for a fight. I watched a 45-second clip, and I thought, oh, my goodness, he is a killer. If you don't know who he is, he was one of the most feared boxers ever. Ever. He's not right upstairs. I mean, he, but his hands are so fast and he hits like a sledgehammer. I mean, if he hit me in the ribs, I'm positive that he would absolutely collapse my entire side. No question about it. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever, amen? Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I mean, seriously, we don't run left, right, left, right. We run straight. Because that's what we've been called to do. We run with blinders on, with the end goal in mind. We don't jump off the bandwagon, get back on the bandwagon, jump off and get on. Watch the Super Bowl. All of a sudden, there'll be a whole bunch of fans of whoever's in who were never their fans before. 
Therefore, I do not run like one aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Picture a guy like going into the ring with Mike Tyson and he squares up with me and I'm punching over here. He's going to kill me. Like, I mean, for real. I watched him. I mean, this dude is in the best shape I've ever seen a 55-year-old guy. He would destroy me with, I'm gonna give it, well, I'd probably be unconscious after one punch, but he'd still hit me three more times before I hit the ground. That's how fast his hands are. He's a machine, but he trained himself. He disciplined himself. He took his body and he beat it and said, you are going to do what I tell you to do. Verse 27 says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That's why as believers, we got to determine to set a goal down the road and run to it. And then set another one and then set another one and then set another one or we won't grow. We won't make it. So many people start out so well. Man, I, I can't believe I've been in ministry over 30 years. And I've seen so many people with incredible promise. Holy Spirit would tell me that one right there. I've called them. And I'd begin to mentor them and I'd see they would just, they would take off. And I think, man, this, this person one day is going to far surpass anything I would ever do. Only to hear a few years later, something came up in life. They got discouraged. They quit. They walked away. They didn't discipline the body and say, no, you don't rule me. I rule you. What am I talking about? Our flesh desires a lot of things, doesn't it? Come on, older folks. I got young people in the room. They need to hear you. Our flesh desires a lot of stuff. It doesn't take much to get sidetracked. But at the end of the day, how many of us older ones in the room know the older we get, the more we realize those things don't have the same weight, value. They just don't. They just don't. First Peter reminds us, in verse 16, I already read this, but there's one verse I want to leave us with. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Wow, I love that verse. You know what? Whatever happens, whatever they do, we hold on to what we believe. But the greatest joy is that we bear his name. You have been branded child of the king you've been branded as a child of the king it doesn't get any more powerful than that 
And God chose to put you on this planet for such a time as this. So don't be depressed about what you see. Look up. Scripture says when these things begin to happen, look up. How do we know we won't return today? How do we know we won't call us home today? Oh, wow, what a glorious meeting in the sky that would be, wouldn't it? I know that I, I was a young person. I remember hearing my pastor say that and I'm going, oh man, there's things I wanted to do. Like I want to get married and you know, the rapture can't happen. I want to get married. And I want, you know, I want to do stuff. They're all nodding their head. They're, they're with me. I hear you. Trust me. If, the, if that happened, you'd be like in one and a half seconds, you'd be like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, this is awesome. The awesomeness of God meeting him woo! oh my goodness I think we forget <laughs> he's not coming back as a carpenter Mm-mm. Mm-mm. he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle he's coming back for his bride if that doesn't get a chill down your spine mm, I'm worried about you I'd like to pray for you today. If you just take a minute and just close your eyes around this room, bow your heads. That allows me to drink half my cup. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I've been caught up. I've been lost a little bit. And I really want to refocus my life. I want to be totally focused. I want to discipline my life. Please pray for me. Just lift your hand up so I can see it nice and high. All around. Thank you. Up in the balcony even, I see your hands. Only you can do this for you. Nobody else can. Father, I thank you for those who raised their hands this morning. And Lord, I understand that the world comes knocking. It pulls us left, it pulls us right, it discourages us, it points out our flaws, it tells us we're not good enough, it tells us we're not pretty enough, it tells us we're too fat, it tells us we're too skinny, it tells us that we are always wanting in one area or another. But when you look down on us, you say that we are perfect, we're your child. So Lord, for those who said they're struggling a little bit, Father, I pray that you would touch them today. That, Lord, that you would be with them today. And as they make a commitment to you to dig in, to refocus, to regroup, to redirection themselves. Lord, I pray that it would be like the first day they met you all over again. That you would make things fresh and anew. Lord, bless everybody in this room as we go out for another week into that world out there. Where the opinions are strong where the tide is contrary to what we believe and what we know to be true. And give us wisdom as to how to live and how to speak. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness for being with us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, God bless you as you go. Have a fantastic week.